Welcome to Change Space, where we're exploring how God's story is changing our stories, growing our minds stronger and healthier, transforming our relationships with Him, with ourselves, and each other. I'm your host, Ruth Stephen Kualpalai, and I'm so excited to discover with you how God's story is changing our stories. Do you have people in your life that you see as trustworthy? That you trust them? Do you see yourself as someone trustworthy for others? If you answer yes to one or both, I'm curious, how would you describe trustworthiness? What is it that makes someone trustworthy for you? What is it in you that is trustworthy for others? Now, I appreciate the fact this is not our typical conversation to have at the dinner table or when we're hanging out casually, but we're all relational people. And we've been talking about how trust is so essential to grow healthy relationships, that love is essential for trust to grow this healthy relationship stance. So I say we give ourselves a little bit of time to take a look at this trust a little bit more because it's playing a really important role in how we are living our own lives. Here's something that is interwoven into trust for me that makes trustworthiness possible, and that's truth. I mean, think about it. If you had a friend or family member who told you the truth about 50% of the time, that leaves about 50% of the time where they are not speaking truth, where there are lies. Would you see that person as trustworthy? What about ourselves? Let's be real with each other. All of us lie. We just vary in the amount of lying we do and what we lie about. And that's not to throw shade at any of us. We're coming to the part of our brain, that limbic system that we talked about, where our sense of self is initially being shaped and growing. That part of our brain also has that threat assessment or self-preservation. And the limbic system is not invested in truth or accuracy. It is there to give ourselves a self-preserved understanding. That means when we do things that are inconsistent, when we do things where we make mistakes, where we do things that kind of tap into fears and insecurities, our limbic system's self-assessment of threat can kick right in And it's not just going to try and protect you from physical harm. It's going to be trying to protect you from emotional harm as it views harm. What the limbic system doesn't understand is that the prefrontal cortex part of our brains, that part that is slower in its development, but also more complex and much more invested in truth, that part of the brain is here for us to work with our limbic systems to help us integrate all parts of our brains, our brainstem, our limbic system, and our prefrontal cortex to work together like a good, well-oiled machine, a team, a family, united towards truth and trustworthiness in our lives. That part of the brain, that prefrontal cortex that wants to do this for us, that limbic system, it doesn't trust the prefrontal cortex And so it has the power to shut it down when it ever feels threatened. So part of 
getting to become a trustworthy person is to learn how to strengthen our prefrontal cortex. Can you imagine if we didn't take on this developmental task of trust building and truth building? Picture this, picture me operating from my limbic system in my relationship with you because I'm not allowing my prefrontal cortex to grow strong and healthy and work with my limbic system. Now picture you in the same state where your limbic system is in charge and your prefrontal cortex isn't strong enough, healthy enough to take on the limbic system and manage to help integrate both with the brainstem. Now picture everyone else around us in the same state as you and me, all of us operating from our limbic systems, our limbic systems that are very self-focused and don't know how to pay attention to the needs of others very well. Can you imagine what our relationships would look like? There would be no healthy boundaries among all of us. We would not be telling the truth to each other or to ourselves. We would be feeling really chaotic because there would be nothing regulating us. Things might even feel really lonely and really dark and really empty. That's what a world where all of us living from our limbic systems could look like. Does it ring a bell to what we talked about in Genesis 1? Genesis 1 has a part at the very beginning before creation that we looked at. And Genesis 1, 1 and 2, that initial start to the story that God is telling us has two parts to it. The part that comes first is God. And it ends with God. But the part in the middle, that part is the darkness. And that part that is described as the darkness is very similar to what I just finished describing would be the result if my limbic system was in charge of me all the time. No healthy boundaries, no clear sense of self and identity to create stability and to help regulate me, in which then I would be feeling really chaotic and out of sorts. And it would lead to me feeling alienated, alone, empty, and it would get really dark. God knew this about the darkness because before it happened to us, it happened to others that he created and loved. Sometimes we forget, especially if we've never had an opportunity to read the whole story, that the Bible is not a linear story, starting chronologically in order and going to the end. In fact, that's why it's so important to read the whole story, because there are parts later on in the story that inform us of important pieces to the beginning and earlier parts of the story. And this applies to Genesis 1. Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation are just three parts of the story that are telling us something that happened before the timeline of Genesis 1. There was a war in heaven. There were children God loved and created and had relationship with that was based on truth and his trustworthiness. And some of those children started to mistrust God and started to lie to themselves to justify the mistrust, and then started lying to each other to justify the mistrust, and started to choose lies over truth, and it erupted into a war. 
a war among God's family. I don't know if we stop and think about this very often. It was a family civil war in heaven. And God had the heartbreaking task of having to decide what to do with the children who chose darkness and the lies over truth. So he decided to contain the darkness. He won the war, the war against the children that were coming out to get him. And he contained that darkness and he put it onto this earth. And then he came to meet the darkness because guess what else the story tells us later on? This darkness is called sin and this sin is going to lead to death. And God does not want a single one of his children dead. So God, in his constancy of trustworthiness, comes to meet the rebellious children in the dark, lost in the dark, going to their deaths as we open up the story in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. That battle in heaven between truth and lies is the battle, is the war in our own minds. And that is why it's important to look at trust. And that is why it's important to know the whole story of what God is telling us about himself and his character and what he is here to do for you and me. Let us not forget that the Spirit hovers over the darkness. The Spirit is hovering over your mind. The Spirit is hovering over my mind. All the Spirit needs is a welcome invitation to fight the darkness that is in you and me that comes from the sin in you and me. God is capable and deeply desiring to free us from our limbic systems being in charge, from darkness and sin and the immaturity and the self-deceit that comes from living in this state. He is here to help strengthen our prefrontal cortex. The story of creation actually is involving this work itself. The spirit is hovering and so begins the creation story. And then God does a tremendous work of fighting against this darkness, against this lie with his truth, over the course of the entire creation story. And that is why when we get to the seventh day, he rests. He has worked hard to rescue us in the story. And this story is going to keep playing itself out in every single person we continue to meet in the story as it unfolds. God's work is the spirit hovering to rescue us from our own sin and our own darkness. And interestingly enough, God is doing. God is not spending a lot of time describing himself and trying to explain why we should trust him. He's showing us why we can trust him. But there are a few times in scripture where he does actually use words to describe himself to us. And I think it's worth wrapping up this episode, looking at one of the first stories where he does use words to tell us about himself. It's in the story of Moses. Moses, this man who had a battle with his limbic system and prefrontal cortex, as he, filled with anger, 
wanted to kill somebody. And he did. And that produced shame and blame cycles in him where he ran away from home, lost everything, rebuilt a life far away from that shame. And then he met God in a burning bush where God is telling him, let's go back to that place, that place of brokenness in your development, Moses. I can give you healing there. Let's go there and free you from your enslavement to your fears, your shame, your mistrust. Let us grow a healthier relationship, you and I, Moses. Let me take you back to where it started to break. And as I do it for you, let's free all of your people, Moses. The very thing that set you up to do that shameful thing. Moses did not want to do it, but God was persistent and encouraging. And Moses ended up taking a step of trust toward God. And he continued taking steps of trust toward God. And each step of trust strengthened his prefrontal cortex. Until we get to a story in Exodus 34. Moses is seeing God again, and it's on a mountain again. And this time, it's not a burning bush. The whole mountain seems to be on fire with the glory of God's goodness and love. And Moses has fallen in love with this God that he has been moving closer towards with each step of trust. He is seeing the truth of who God is, and he wants more. And so he tells God, give me more of you, God. Give me more. I am so enjoying being in relationship with you. I'm so glad I took these risks of trust with you. And God says, okay, I can't give you everything right now, Moses, but you know what? I long to be with you too, as I long to be with all of my children. And I'm so glad you want to be close to me. So come on, let's get as close as we can. And I will tell you a little bit more about myself. And so God comes to Moses on the mountain. And this is what he says in Exodus 34. It starts in verse 6. The Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Those are words we can trust about God. And those words are what God wants us to have as descriptions of who we are as we have relationship with him and grow in trust and grow healthy prefrontal cortexes that can integrate our limbic systems and our brain stems, all parts of our brain, into a whole unified purpose that makes us a trustworthy, mature, integrated, healthy, self-regulated person. Think about those words. Compassion, grace, slowness to anger, abounding, abundant, loving kindness and truth. That is who he is. The spirit is hovering over your mind right now and the spirit is hovering over mine, waiting for the invitation to strengthen the part of our minds that builds us into trustworthy people. Trustworthy for ourselves, trustworthy for others, and trustworthy with God. Think about those words as we close this episode with words from the New Testament that also describe God's character and what it is he wants to grow 
healthy and strong and enduring in you and in me. Paul describes the work of the Holy Spirit in our prefrontal cortex so beautifully in Galatians 5. He tells us in that chapter that we are made free through Christ because he has purchased our freedom with his love. And as a result, we are now given the privilege of living free by walking in the Spirit walking with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, to grow the character of Jesus in us, to have that transformation work that produces this fruit of the Spirit in our lives through the transformation of our minds, to have us grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all things that belong as part of the prefrontal cortex work of self-regulation. It is in this part of our brain that the Holy Spirit is doing the good will of God for us to be freed from our selfishness and to live in his love, being able to love others selflessly. It's free. It's available. He's capable He's willing, and it all requires just one thing, us saying yes, yes to Jesus, integrating and transforming our minds to grow in health and wholeness as we grow more and more like him. Because remember, the creation story is telling us that by the time we are made, we are made in the very image of God. We are his image bearers. We are meant to reflect his character and it is the Holy Spirit hovering over our minds, ready, willing, and able to do it. It just requires us to say yes. You and I, we can grow good fruit, the Spirit, is here to help us trust Jesus. And in trusting him, we grow more like him. And in growing more like him, we live more fully embraced by love. 